Good morning. It is Monday, June 24th, 7.34 a.m. Hope y'all had a good week. I had a very long week. I felt like the it was two weeks in one. Can I get an amen? <laughs> it was, oh God. It was a good week. It was just a lot of toil. Um, so yeah, I did a lot of sourcing and then processing and hand laundering things and it was good. It was good though. Um, I'm looking for a small studio space or an area that I can store some things in, um, for sorting anyway. Um, on Tuesday night, I went with Kirsty to the Embarcadero Theater downtown and we saw the souvenir. I forget who directed it. Um, it stars Tilda Swinton's daughter <laughs> and uh, a guy that kind of looks like a busted version of Eric Roberts and has some appearances by Tilda herself. And I really liked it. It was set in... I think the early 80s, like the very early 80s, and it was took place in England, and it's about a film student who, who dates a much older man. I can't give anything else away, but I will say this. There were two pairs of shoes in that, in that film that did not belong in there. Um, one was a pair of pointed-toed flats that looked cheap. They looked... They looked like they were from the early 2000s and didn't belong in there. And then there was another scene where she's wearing some boots that have three buckles on them that look like they're made out of suede and they have kind of a round toe. They basically look like some cheap Steve Madden boot or even a Payless boot. And I'm like, first of all, this, these boots are too cheap for the character for their social station to be wearing. And secondly, they're not from the early eighties. Um, so yeah, both of those pairs of shoes were glaring inconsistencies on the part of the, the costumer. Um, anywho, it's the little things, but overall it was a beautiful film and, and I loved the, I loved the story. Um, it was very poignant and um, because the character is a film student herself, um, they showed her having moments that were cinematic in her personal life. And then, and then um, even to the end, there were times when she was making a film that actually seemed more like, you know, Shakespearean theater. Um, I love the meta aspect of it. Uh, I do appreciate any type of movie that is about putting on a show or making a movie. I think that there's some of those are some of the best films out there. Anywho, it was a good movie. It was great spending time with Kirsty. The seats at the Embarcadero Theater are very, very comfy. And if you haven't seen a film there, I suggest you give yourself about an extra 30 minutes 
before the movie starts so you can find the damn place because the Embarcadero Center is divided into four buildings and it's very confusing. It, it, it's a nightmare to get over there. <laughs> Have fun, y'all. Um, moving forward. Uh, yesterday I did a pop-up at Virgil's hosted by Chelsea. There were a lot of vendors there. It was not my most profitable event, but I always like to do it for some reason. It's fun. Um, so yeah, it's nice to connect with customers and make new connections face-to-face -face with people. Um, there was this guy there who, at first I saw him and I was like, oh my God, that's my ideal man, you know? Um, he was kind of beefy. He was wearing a white tee. And then I realized he's gay. <laughs> it's like, of course, you know. Um, and, yeah, I, you could just tell his jeans. They were just the way, yeah, I realized, okay, he's gay. Um, which is fine, of course. Um but I think in, in the midst of me staring at him a little bit, I caught his eye and it turned out that he was kind of a psycho and he, uh, he kind of wouldn't leave me alone for a little while. Um, and he kept, he kept spouting non sequiturs. At one point he said that I reminded him of Jack Kerouac and I, I just, I, I guess, you know, I said, you know, in a sense of the word, I guess, you know, just like, I really wanted him to go away. He was making me very uncomfortable. And I think that he was a genuine psycho. Um, it was not, it was not fun. Um, and he came back a few times and was getting very drunk he kind of started to get in an, like a heated argument with some people in the smoking area. And he, when I was packing up, he tried to start talking to me again. And I did this technique called gray rock that Taylor taught me where you visualize a gray rock or a gray wall. And you just picture it in your head and you think only of that and it's supposed to provide a psychic and mental barrier uh, between you and um, someone who has like bad energy or mental imbalance or is possibly a sociopath or a psycho like this person I, I who I sensed he was. And you know what? It fucking worked. I stand by this technique. Um, it worked so quickly that he stopped mid-question, right at the moment that I was clearly visualizing this gray wall, this gray stone wall in specific. He was like, you know, never mind. And then he walked away. And thank God I didn't have to see him again. I but it was weird. It, it was, it was kind of, I felt like I was like in, you know, the scrapped chapters of American Psycho. <laughs> I was like, damn, you know, too bad you're cute. 
and also, you know, don't prefer my sex. But, you know, that's the way it goes. Um, guess what? I'm bringing you a Mitford today. <laughs> um, I know that I had mentioned um, that I was going to give you some Mitfords. And I wanted to do it in chronological order. But I think I'm going to start with the worst one. Because she's such a dingbat. And... I feel that her her story can be kind of a warning to to people out there who don't take a stand for what they believe in. Um, it can be a warning to what will happen when fascist and um, hateful ideologies are are normalized and encouraged so let us begin her name was unity valkyrie freeman mitford she was the sister of nancy and jessica and diana mitford who they were the most famous of the mitfords she was number five though out of the seven Mitfords. So there's Nancy first, Pamela, Thomas, Diana, Unity, Jessica, and Debo. Also known as Deborah, but more commonly known as Debo. Um, she was born August 8th, 1914. She was conceived in Swastika, Ontario, where the family had gold mines and where they spent a couple years uh, Lord Reedsdale and his wife spent a couple of years um, looking for gold. I obviously with not much success because they didn't stay for very long. Now, the Mitfords, if you don't know, they were a very illustrious old family in in England. Um, they had not much money. Not much money was left, but they had probably more clout than than uh, other, you know, their peers and their highborn peers as well, because they they went back so far um, in into uh, England's history. They were very eccentric. I'm just giving you a nutshell. Very eccentric. Uh, all all just kind of dancing to the beat of their own drums. Had polarizing political views two of two of the sisters went on to be famous authors nancy who wrote love in a cold climate among among other things um and jessica mitford who was a staunch communist and fought to it later in life to um Establish more ethical burial methods in America. She settled actually into the Bay Area. We'll get into her story at another juncture. And then Diana, who unfortunately married a the leader of the um, English socialists. I mean, not excuse me, the English fascist party. Big difference. 
Uh, all these, these three sisters were the stars of the Mitford family. Uh, they were all very beautiful. They were often in the society pages, even though they did not have a lot of wealth to buy the finest of the debutante gowns, their beauty and their erudition and their elegance and their illustrious lineage and pedigree are what uh, made them stand out. And when they were all together, they uh, had, a, had a very uh, tight bond that was solidified by their special language of Boodleditch. So they were ex- so so intriguing, and you know what are those Mitfords up to next? Always jaunting about, and then you have Unity. Unity was kind of a big Bertha kind of gal. Um, she was definitely not as beautiful as the Mitfords, the other Mitford sisters. Uh, she she didn't have any particular talent. I mean. You know, Thomas, the boy, at least, you know, was able to go into the military. And Pamela was a, you know, avid, you know, chicken farmer. (laughs) Everyone had their thing. Debo um, ended up being the perfect good girl representation and marrying well and doing everything correctly. And then you have Unity, who, who wasn't wasn't in the foreground and definitely didn't get the attention that she felt she so richly deserved you know I know that we've all met those type of people who aren't very talented don't like to work don't really have their own point of view or their own aesthetic but they want all this attention and accolades and they want people to say how talented they are and how wonderful they are that's the kind of person we're dealing with and incidentally they're a leo august 8th so that might be a leo trait sorry leos out there if this is uh, the shadow side of leo definitely in 1932 diana mitford started carrying on an affair with oswald mosley before then she was married to a prim and proper um, lord befitting her station. Oswald was a complete and total wild card, where in Germany they had the brown shirts emerging, Hitler's emerging Nazi party. Uh, Mosley followed suit with his black shirts, and they, they mimicked, you know, bit by bit, step by step, salute by salute, every single thing that Hitler did. Um, He was kind of like a Hitler fanboy. And he, you know, Hitler didn't even really like him. Um, Not, he didn't feel threatened by Mosley, even though Mosley was dashingly handsome. He looked like Errol Flynn. Even though Mosley was dashingly handsome, um, he wasn't threatened by him, but he was embarrassed by him. Because he had this jingoistic, gung-ho way of polarizing and alienating people. And Hitler wanted to get mainstream acceptance, okay? Because he's a megalomaniac and he had a big vision for uh, taking over the world, you know? And this... this um over the top 
guy who was, you know, just kind of fanatical and outdoing Hitler in fanaticism um, with, with a much smaller platform than Hitler and also aligning himself to the Nazi party made, made the Nazis look <laughs> dumb. But guess what? The Nazis are already dumb, um, in case you didn't know. So that, you know, his lack of subtlety was, was embarrassing to Hitler. However, he had just the kind of dangerous flair to attract uh, someone like Diana, who probably sought some sort of transgression in, in having this illicit affair with such a, quote, bad boy. And they, they fell madly in love. And they, they, were, they did end up getting married. It, it, 1932 was also the same year Unity came out as a Deb, okay, debutante. And uh, unlike her other sisters coming out, it was, you know, it's like someone, it's like there were fireworks, but they were never lit, you know? It's like, oh, here's a Mitford. Oh, it's just Unity. Ah, carry on, folks. And so she was very, you know, looking herself to have some kind of sparkle. And the father and mother of the Mitfords had opposing political views. In fact, they ended up divorcing over it. Uh, The mother was pro-fascists and the father was absolutely not. He was loyal to the queen and he was against fascism and he thought Oswald mostly was a buffoon and when Diana started seeing him he said do not go to any of the parties he said he told the other kids especially unity because she was very suggestible and she had just come out as a deb you know kind of like her entree to society for those who don't know he said, do not go to those parties. Do not attend the rallies. Do not associate yourself with Mosley, in so many words. Um, but Diana could. Diana was uh, really having a fun time at these Nazi parties. And, you know, they were big, big events with lots of booze and boys. And Unity couldn't resist. And so she got in there. And... She received a Nazi party badge mm-hmm, at this party, um, uh, presented to her by Oswald Mosley. And when she got that little badge, guess what? She started she she started uh, wearing her black shirt outfit. Um, it's you know head to toe black, so like the brown shirts bit black um and actually more sinister even so so she was she would go to the commie meetings she would go to jessica's communist meetings and she would show up there and heckle heckle the the socialists obnoxiously she just became a menace all it took was one little badge one little symbol of validation and acceptance into this organization which by her young impressionable mind was powerful 
this, you know, all she needed was the validation of, of this party and, and the endorsement of her, her beautiful sister. She made a big scene though. She, she even kind of embarrassed Diana a little bit, you know, because the family was so large and because they were all such big personalities, there were cliques within the family, okay? So Pamela and Thomas kind of had their own, you know, quiet clique. And then Nancy and Jessica were thick as thieves with Diana on, uh, lingering in the interim. And then Debo was the person who kind of hummingbirded around and, and was the peacekeeper of the family, the glue that kind of held the, the family together. And Unity didn't really fit in with them. And so this was Unity's chance to somehow be accepted more closely um, with that family dynamic by clinging to Diana, who brought her to Munich with her. And they were at the Nuremberg rally in 1933, okay? They saw Hitler give that insane speech where all the if you've seen if you've seen that speech, it's terrifying to see in in unison citizens of Germany saluting Hitler and militantly endorsing the fascist paradigm with their voices. It's chilling. And we should never, ever, ever forget that that happened. Okay? She was there. She was there. So she returned to Germany in 1934, and she enrolled in a German language school um, in Munich right next to the headquarters. Hitler also had a place in, in Munich, and he, at the time, was very accessible. Um, you know, he had an entourage of people, some hangers-on, um, but, you know, he was just at the rise of power, and he was still trying to be a, a man of the people, so to speak. He wanted to experience and to embody the the quality of life of a of a unassuming German citizen. Uh, he frequented this place called Osteria Bav Bavaria, and he would meet with people there, uh, usually over sticky buns, uh, which I can imagine he ate with gusto and made gross chewing noises because he had he had the he had the manners of of kind of. He had fussy manners pastiched on top of um, kind of an, a socially awkward and um, socially inept person. So he had these weird overly formal manners where were huge, but there would be huge discrepancies. Um, like he'd put his napkin on his lap with great care and, and, and you know, point the corners you know, just so, and then would probably, um, you know, talk with his mouth full or something like that. And he, he was extremely awkward around women and 
went over over the top uh, in an attempt to display like courtly manners. So Unity started stalking him. She found out what cafe he went to after 10 months of stalking Hitler at this cafe. That's 10 months, 10 months of stalking someone. That's a long time. That's a really long time. He finally noticed her and invited her to his table. Okay, so I'm sure he knew who she was because she was the sister of Diana Mosley, who is now Diana Mosley, you know, Oswald Mosley's wife. And he knew about, he started probably, he probably had people do recon on her family and and Hitler was intrigued by her. His, the Unity fan, uh, who the Mitford family, they were of that Eton set. Eton is a very prestigious public school that only the, the finest families send their sons to. Now, Lord Reedsdale left Eton. He basically dropped out of Eton and went to basically frittered away all the expectations of the family but everyone else was was you know eaten through and through and the and he was intrigued by unity's associations her her lineage her grandfather algernon freeman mitford was a friend of richard wagner and that was Hitler's idol. So he was starting to gather information. Hitler finally invites her to sit at his table. And he paid the bill. <laughs> For some reason, that, that went down in history. He paid the bill. And here's what, here's what uh, Unity said. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to inflict an English accent on you just because I'm in the mood. It was the most wonderful and beautiful day of my life. I am so happy. I wouldn't mind a bit dying. I suppose I am the luckiest girl in the world. For me, he is the greatest man of all time. (laughs) That was bad, but I just felt like doing that. So yeah, that's what she said about him. Can you believe it? She was besotted with Hitler. I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of him, but he is not cute, okay? He is not cute. Adolf Hitler was extremely superstitious, and he believed that unity was destined to meet him, okay? Um, I earlier noted that she was born in Swastika, Ontario, okay? Her middle name was Val Kilry. And she happened to be blonde hair and blue eyes. He he described her as the perfect specimen of Aryan womanhood. He also liked all the attention that she was giving him. You know, I mean, you have this, this uh, very impressionable, big boned blonde girl following you around and just drinking in everything that you say and 
and, you know, lurking around, looking at you with eyes of longing. I mean, it, it goes to your head. Um, if you're someone like Hitler, um, maybe a normal person would have found her to be a nuisance. Um, and he, he toyed with her a bit. He liked, he liked the validation of his ego. You know, at the time he was with Eva Braun, who was his, his mistress. And she, she was very jealous of unity and he, he used unity to make Eva Braun jealous. And here is what Eva had to say. I'm going to attempt a German accent just, just to even the score. Here it goes. She is known as the Valkyrie and looks the part. I, the mistress of the greatest man in Germany and the whole world. I sit here waiting while the sun marks me through the window panes. <sighs> Let me try that one more time. She is known as the Valkyrie and looks the part. I, the mistress of the greatest man in Germany and the whole world, I sit here waiting while the sun mocks me through the window panes. Okay, that was that's the best it's going to get. Eva Braun found a way to get Hitler back. She attempted suicide to kind of set the record straight and, you know, to get the attention more on her. Um... Hitler and his women, there's a, there's a sick history of suicide. There's a theme of suicide in his relationship with women. Okay. Um, Hitler was also rumored to be impotent. He had something wrong with his dick where, um, there, it had this kind of inversion thing happening. So, it, it was very difficult for him to get an erection and it was very small and not just small, but kind of almost kind of inverted. Um, it was also the same issue that afflicted Mary Antoinette's husband, I think Louis the 15th or 16th, if I'm not mistaken. So his impotency kind of explained a lot about his relationship to women as well. But he he was, before Eva, there was Geli Robal, who was Hitler's half-niece. And he had a very domineering relationship over her, um, relationship dynamic with her, where he was the dominant one. He controlled her every move. He, she was basically a prisoner in his house and, uh, she was found shot through the lung. Um, and it was ruled a suicide. Some people say that he shot her, but, um, most likely she shot herself. She probably saw no way out and she was very, very young and naive. So when Eva attempted suicide, that struck a chord with Adolf and he started to, to temporarily turn his attentions to her. So let me see where I'm at with my notes here. Ba, ba, ba. 
Thank you for bearing with me here. Okay, so um, they were visiting back and forth. Unity and Diana. Unity would sometimes live there. Sometimes not. She did a she did many many things to disturb and to how do I put it to to cause outrage amongst the British and it was it was all it was all publicized. Suddenly Unity was getting some spotlight. She was getting some attention. And and she fed off of this. She loved causing a stir. A stir. She loved shocking people. She was always wearing her uniform. She famously went on a diatribe against the Jews, in an open letter to the fascist periodical Der Sturme. And this is what she, this is what she said. Okay, and it's it's very disturbing. I just want to I want to warn people I'm I am prefacing this with a trigger warning because it's such a disturbing um, thing to even repeat but I feel for the sake of posterity and so that everyone knows the gravity of of what it is of of what it is like to read and to see something that is that is um hateful towards other human beings because of who they are I want I want people to get a taste of the gravity of this situation okay and here's what she said and I'll do my bad English accent the English have no notion of the Jewish danger our worst Jews work only behind the scenes we think with joy of the day when we will be able to say England for the English out with the Jews. Hail. Which I left out the name. P.S. Please publish my name in full. I want everyone to know I'm a Jew hater. That is what she said. Can you believe it? Can you believe the mortification? Oh my God. Oh my God. People were, were calling for her to be hung as a traitor. Her father, ugh, he he almost disowned her. But guess what? She got another little badge. This time from Hitler, it was a gold swastika badge. And she got to ride in the Nazi party Mercedes to the Beirut Festival. So for her, it was a huge victory. It was a win. You see the pattern, the token, the tangible tokens and the memorabilia and the ephemera that that validates and gives security to people who are insecure that gives them that tangible sense of belonging see the see all the all the regalia and all the insignias and the badges and pins why there were so many of them this is why to to hook insecure lambs to be used as weapons of hatred okay that article alone solidified her as part of Hitler's inner circle when she got the badge she got to ride in the Mercedes she was in like Flynn she gave 
also gave a salute to the British con- consul general in Munich. She gave the Hitler salute, the Sieg Heil, to him, and he immediately requested her passport be impounded. Okay? That's, that was the, how polarizing she was. And likely she was being watched probably by some form of the British Secret Service. So that is something of note. That's most definitely was happening. She she was on the on the verge and probably would have been imprisoned in some capacity were it not for her family's standing. Okay? In nineteen thirty eight she was given a choice of four apartments in Munich. Uh, presented to her by Hitler. Uh, she was staying with some friends of Hitler's, but they suddenly got on his bad side, and so she had to find a different place because he kicked them out of the apartment. He didn't find them another place, but he found her a place. And famously, she was discussing her decorating plans and where she was going to put the furniture and what items in in the house she was going to keep because the house was already furnished. Do you know why? Because Jewish family already lived there and she was kicking them out. And the family was in the kitchen crying as this, as this arrogant, disillusioned and delusional woman was making a mockery of everything they had they had built up in their lives she was shitting all over it that's what fascism does it makes people cruel it makes people do it makes people treat other human beings like they're nothing That story always makes me so sad. It was around this time that Hitler warned Unity and Diana to return home because of a, a pending war with Britain. So even though he lied to Unity a whole lot and he, he you know, was fond of Diana, um, he was, and even though Diana's husband was in charge of the fascist party there, he still he had to declare war on Britain. He had to do it. Um, Unity begged him, begged him to please just you know try and work things out, and you know she really wanted him to make a go of of uh, you know peace with Britain. But Britain, Britain partially, you know, I don't think that at this point they would have been able to um, peaceably or ethically work with with Hitler. On September 3rd, 1939, he declared war on Britain, and Unity was distraught. She was she was beside herself. Um she she could not be left alone. She was she was just so unstable at this point. But she came up with a solution. She shot herself in the head with a pearl-handled pistol given to her by, that's right, Hitler. He gave her a little pearl pistol. I've seen pictures of the pistol, and it's a, it's a small pistol, you know? 
this this happened in Germany. And Hitler paid the hospital bills and sent her back to England. He was like, get this. You know, I even though I created this beast, <laughs> she's becoming very inconvenient to my cause. You know, just let's just clean this up and send her back home. And she she returned she returned home uh, and lost a ton of weight and she had to learn how to walk and talk again the bullet was still lodged in her head it was inoperable so it was stuck there and it literally fucked with her head so she went to live with her mother at Swinbrook Oxfordshire At, at this time the parents were separated you know and it's it's fitting of course the externals yes she'd probably go live with her mother to convalesce but isn't it interesting like the mother was for the fascists and now here's what the fascists did to her daughter this is this is the this is the uh glowing result of fascism and disillusion so she was from then on she was mentally like a 10 year old and she talked incessantly and she was incompetent she couldn't hold her pee ever so it was a lot of work it was very very draining uh to to care for for her uh, debo lived with her mother during this time and she had just come out as a debutante and would soon marry the love of her life but uh it, it was a huge drain on, on Debo as well, who also had to care for Unity. She would go and visit Diana and Oswald, mostly in Holloway Prison. Yes, they were they were put into prison. Uh, Mitford was sent to prison. Uh, a politically, you know, political kind of country club prison. But yeah, they were sent to prison for a couple years which ironically brought Diana and Oswald closer. In the interim, even though she was a bit addled and couldn't hold her pee, and, I mean, literally had to wear diapers. She had to wear diapers. Um, She had an affair with the Royal Air Force pilot officer, John Andrews. And when the powers that be found out that he was messing around with Unity Mitford, he was relocated to Scotland and he died from spitfire from some sort of bomb or gun some explosive shortly after so it was definitely altered the course of his life he was married with kids you know kind of serves him right he probably I don't know I think that he himself was attracted to her transgressive nature Well, the bullet that she shot herself with and, you know, with the intent of committing suicide did eventually kill her. She died of meningitis caused by the cerebral swelling around the bullet in May, on May 28th, 1948. Now, in 2002, a conspiracy theory uh, surfaced 
and it was speculated that Unity never shot herself, and that it was a ruse invented by the Home Secretary, John Anderson, to prevent her from being questioned by authorities upon her return from Germany. Um, which is hilarious, because there were x-rays. Uh, Diana came forward and said that... Um, you know, she basically had the receipts to prove it. Here's the x-rays. And yes, Unity did shoot herself. Another theory came about in 2007. A woman by the name of Ms. Val Han called a new statesman regarding her Aunt Betty Norton's private maternity hospital in Oxford, where it was alleged Mitford had been a client. She had checked in after her return to England and allegedly gave birth to Hitler's baby, who was then promptly adopted out. But most likely, it was another Royal Air Force pilot's baby. She liked the pilots, you know. I must say, they are, they are dashing. So yeah, there is the worst Mitford of them all. Um, Diana would probably come a close second, but her story changes. Um, but I wanted to tell you guys that story and to talk about unity because even though she's said and did a lot of awful things, I wanted to present it to you as the kind of people that, that move the cause of evil forward. People that don't think they're getting enough attention. People that don't really have that much talent or point of view, people that want want what others have, but aren't focused on on doing their own thing and doing it right. That's dangerous. People who who need help. People with with mental disorders that go unchecked. Okay, um, give them a badge. Give them a pin. Accept them into your club. And they'll do, they'll, they'll go above and beyond for you. They will be your weapon. So it is a testament, I think, to what's happening now and the way things are changing and reverting to a very scary time in history. We're in a strange time in history right now. Um, and there's, there's so many parallels that I wish to go into, but I just don't have the time. Last week, I wanted to, I mentioned I had some ephemera, some more found ephemera, and I do, and this is from a, this is a diary that I found on Civic Center, oh God, maybe about four years ago and it is filled it is filled with writing and it gets more the writing gets more and more elaborate and and more almost illegible but like dotty it's it's definitely a woman's handwriting and you know those you know those paintings of cats um where there's like one regular cat and the cat gets more and more psychedelic. That's kind of what happens with this writing. 
Um, I'm going to read about a page and a half and then I got to start my day. This has already been a very long podcast. Okay, so one of the, so, so I don't have, so the top page I don't have, so she might have, so must have gone away before I got to it. But here is how it goes. Damn, I wish homie would let me on to some again. But apparently everything around is good. Hell yeah. Shit, the dancing condoms are back. Saw them with my own eyes. Those were all the rage in Oregon, probably ten years ago. God damn, I'm still sitting here writing. I'll remember this in the future. I usually catch my train way earlier than this, but today when the sun came up over downtown, I decided to stick around and close before a dose excuse me and dose before i go back to camp i missed yesterday because i was too fucking tired to get up and go but i really didn't want to miss today too plus there's absolutely no reason for me to be downtown at all during the day there are fucking cops everywhere and all the blocks in civic center and up into one they're on foot pairs it sucks so we go all the way over past Mission in an alley, hella far. Plus, Loop has told us to in case the alley, to case the alley before. <laughs> I wonder if it was my alley. <laughs> well, someone called the cops on us there. It was enough to make me cry. I was sick as fuck and had the cure in my hand and completely unable to do anything with it. And it's been like that for weeks now. Apparently when the mayor decide, declared war on the homeless, the goddamn police decided to hire a bunch of rookies that are only there to fuck with homeless people. That is their whole job, to fuck with us and make our lives miserable. Apparently it's been pretty bad on hate too, but down by the panhandle is still good. Actually, that's why everyone moved to the other side of the Bill Graham to chill slash sleep. That's the side, that side is out of the TL cops jurisdiction, so we don't get fucked with nearly as much. Shit, we don't even get run off in the morning at all unless there's an event or concert going on. I couldn't believe it. I left at 9 a.m. and there were still kids hanging there. But because of all of this, they have managed to separate all of us, which I'm sure was part of the plan. So even at night when they're leaving us alone, we still don't know where anyone is. Well, it's the first week of the month. A bunch of people are probably haughtied up, hopped up, excuse me, lucky bastards. I got a quick shower a couple of days ago, but I didn't have any shampoo with me, so I didn't wash my hair. And right now it's super oily. It looks like I just came. What? It looks okay. I just can't stand the smell of my oily hair. Blah, blah, blah. It's been getting pretty damn hot outside during the day. Maybe since I took care of all my responsibilities, I could go take a shower at the Women's Center. All right, I'm going to leave it there. And I'll I'll read more next week because there's a lot. Um, 
And then at the top of her page, it says, I am so fucking tired. All right. I've got a bunch of shit to do. Got a lot of shipping and mending. Have a great day. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.